Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. This is a special edition from eWorld in Essen. We're bringing you the most topical energy matters in an informal setting. My name is Richard Sverrison and it's a great pleasure and an honor to have Trevor Sarkorski of Energy Aspects with me today. Welcome Trevor. Thank you very much, Richard, and a pleasure to be here. Yeah, perfect. We're, we're going to talk about gas today, Trevor. It's one of your specialist subjects. Just to kick us off, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what's happened so far to markets and to prices this year. Yeah, 2020 always looked like it was going to be a very, very testing time for the, the global gas market. A lot of gas has come into the market in the last couple of years. A lot of supply Demand has been very, very good in a couple of years, but certainly over 2019 and going into 2020, global demand looked very, very weak. And so what we've seen is this culmination of lots and lots of particularly new LNG coming into the market, the US shale gas revolution really being exported through that into a global market that's done its best to absorb that gas, but this year really, really struggling to do so. And then what we've seen, I think, is we have had a very, very mild winter, and that being a mild global winter. So we've seen you know, a, a very warm period in Europe, a very warm period in Asia, and a very warm period in North, uh, North America. So with a nowhere in the world really having very, very high heating demands for gas. Gas has just become very, very distressed almost. And we've seen prices just drop off and, and, and be very, very low. Low for the time of year, but low in absolute terms amongst the lowest prices we've probably seen in the last decade. Okay. And where, where are they at the moment? I thought mm-hmm. if we start in Asia and, and Europe, I mean, uh, in Asia, they're below uh, almost three dollars uh, yep. uh, MMBTU and approaching 250 uh, yes then and, and I mean that spread between the I mean generally the JKM that big Asian price marker you know pricing it from Japan and Korea against the the European hubs the TTF that tends to always trade at, at a premium but that premium has come down and has come down and has come down and is at some of the narrowest levels we've seen so that northeast asian market has been very very weak and is pricing very very close to the europeans now and those european prices in turn closing very very close to the u.s one so we've mm. seen this global convergence on very low price levels everything below three dollars getting below 250 and you're probably looking at a summer where you're going to see global prices both Europe both Asia and the US of course you know around two dollars or lower do you think uh, that's going to be my next question is Mm. this sustainable are these are these prices going to last the rest of the year well I think it's very hard to see something that's really bullish that's really going to change the the supply and demand fundamentals for 2020 Mm. it just looks very very oversupplied Europe's going to end with, with very high levels of gas and storage, they'll end this winter with, with historical highs. You're looking at a very high carryout in U.S. storage as well. And the Asians just don't have very much storage anyways. And what they have is largely full. So it is going to be a real test to see what we can do with what is still you know robust supply coming into the market increasing numbers of LNG volumes coming into the market, mm. two new tra- two big new trains still to come up I- in the US, uh, two trains just 
turning on at the moment in yeah. the US. It just is a lot of supply continuing, continuing, demand really lagging behind, and and those prices are going to have to signal, you know, to supply that it needs to start turning down. So even more is coming into the market. Where where is the demand then? Well, and and that's the thing. And I mean, over the last couple of years, the Chinese market has been very good at, at being the kind of backstop for global gas. You know, a lot of a lot of gas going into that market. We saw it slow in 2019. A lot of that slowed down a little bit on weather. It's two mild winters in a row, but a lot of it in industrial production. So much demand it goes into industrial production that slowed down a lot in China because of the trade war and now on top of it you have coronavirus inspired problems mm. um, and you know you are starting to see already a lot of force majeure on LNG that's supposed to go into to that, China. That was going to be my next question Trevor I mean um, you know the coronavirus we've seen numbers out there you know mm. 20 to 40 percent drop in demand for oil and gas in China the outlook this year uh, just generally uh, dropping massively I mean what, what's your view on the impact of the coronavirus? Well I think it's just it's making a, a weak market market even weaker because it's just saying to an LNG market that's struggling to balance here's a lot of additional cargoes that we thought we had demand for and we no longer have demand and when you look at how many could be we've already heard of something like 10 to 12 cargoes uh, having force majeure uh, 10 or 12 on them. 10 or 12 is high uh, I mean that was one report we saw in the FT we've seen more confirmed amounts that were, were a bit lower than that four or five we've heard that Total and Shell uh, pushing back a little bit I mean there are suppliers into that market pushing back a little bit on the Chinese um, mm. saying, so they're like rejecting Kind of rejecting an FM. Uh, So it is going to be messy, but there is going to be a lot of those volumes kind of floating around. And what those volumes are probably going to do is they'll absorb any kind of spot, let's say, demand that's in Asia. Mm. um, Could be a little bit distressed there and, and, and drive the JKM very low. But it will also push, I think, Qatari gas into the European market and of course that makes the European market just uh, you know more supply into another market which is struggling to absorb the amount of supply coming its way. Absolutely so it's all pointing downwards pretty much. So everything's at the moment it does seem like it's a storm of stuff that's become very bearish pushing downwards and and does hold out a, a full summer of very very low quite distressed gas prices and probably that will spill a bit into the coming the, the, the further winter as well so these these vessels that are you know reacting to force majeure by the chinese where, where are they going i mean well, where are they I heading? Mean, and that is the question and so the, you know you will kind of see the australians either needing to actually stop produce a lot of it's you know uh, australian lng going into the chinese market <laughs> either those are going to have to stop producing that gas because there's just no market or they're just going to have i mean if they're already on a boat and they're floating they are just going to have to look for a market and they will price downwards so there's a lot of downside coming uh, from these force measures and it will be you know a lot earlier than we expected to see we expected summer to be very weak but winter is being uh, you know at these kind of summerish type low prices but that does hold out for even lower prices come summertime if this coronavirus outbreak Mm -hmm. kind of constantly eases and we get over the top of that and and things improve do you do you see that having a bearing on on, on a lot of these vessels or, or, or yeah I mean I th- you know I mean I think as soon as the Chinese economy gets restarted if you'd like mm. their use of gas will will p- will pick up and they'll start taking but they'll kind of refer it back to 
you know the the schedule of LNG that's already coming in that's mm. probably what they'll accept so you won't see further rejections but those that have been rejected will still just need to find a home and they will sit there and they will be a, a you know a bit of a wait for a couple of it'll probably take a couple of months to work through those but that will keep those Asian prices quite low what's happening to these kind of these these cargoes you know in in, in the European market yeah I mean I think it would take some very low JKM prices to start sending you know, Asian cargoes over. Mm. What we're probably going to see, though, is more Qatari, kind of spot Qatari cargoes come into the European market. There's a lot of excess regas capacity in Europe, but most of that concentrated in Spain, in France, and the UK. So the very Western markets, we expect that. So we mean we think the NBP, we think the uh, the PEG in France, and we think the uh, the Spanish hubs will all price add a discount to the TTF so they will be low they'll be low there and they'll be low everywhere so basically price is going to be historically low all this year I mean that's what you're saying it is going to be a very very low period for global gas and really I think it is the cumulative impact in some ways of US you know very very cheap US gas being exported around the world but how, how are the pipeline operators reacting to this? I mean, in recent years, both Norway and Russia have exported record volumes to Europe. How are they reacting to this? Well, I think this is interesting. I mean, 2019, we, you know, we saw a period where we saw Norway turn down a little bit. Mm. Um, by a little bit, I mean, they turned down probably about three or four BCM, more than, we, you know, more than maintenance would have suggested. Right. We saw the Algerian gas being rejected. That tends to be oil index, so out of the money. About 12 BCM coming out of last summer. There is some questions on whether there's much more flexibility on those long-term contracts to even take those, those, those takes less. Russia, interesting though, Russia really kind of defended market share last year, sold very heavily on their short-term platform, the electronic sales platform, probably something like 13 or 14 BCM of gas just in the short-term market, something they've never done before. So they're really there, really kind of uh, engineering at, let's say, a you know, an early price war with the states, so certainly indicated that they wanted to defend market share against LNG. Mm. Uh, whether th- how much they can do that this this year will be sorely tested because those prices mm. will have to go to a to a point where it gets some form of turndown, and that turndown will be both LNG, we think, being locked in probably U.S. production, but also other places will see some some pressure to turn down. But also, we'll need pipes to probably turn down in the European market, and that will be focused probably on those Russian flows. Right. Right, because we also saw in January record sales on the uh, on Gazprom's uh, yep. uh, electronic sales platform. I mean, I, can't, I haven't got the the number offhand now, but uh, you know, it was I, yeah, I, yeah, it was very high. I mean, what what's behind that? What's the well, what, can, think, you, can well, you explain the thinking? Uh, you know, what's your interpretation mm. of this kind of strategy from Gazprom? Sure, I mean, our general feeling, I think, on that is 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 what we saw was very very sharp turndowns on nominations, right? So, a lot of people have a lot of gas in storage. You know, probably want to use some of that gas in storage rather than calling on their long-term contracts. Gazprom has used the ESP to kind of counter uh, turndowns in nominations. But the interesting thing about January is we went through 2019 without really seeing you know, any material turndown in Russian flows. January itself saw about a 5 BCM reduction in uh, in Russian flows into the European market uh, and that was countered by that over 2 B, you know, that includes that 2 BCM of ESP sales. So selling very, very heavily but we saw flows go very, very low and probably the interpretation of that is one, European participants with uh, storage 
storage, trying to get rid of some very high historic levels of storage, but also Gazprom itself meeting some of its contract nominations from storage rather than flowing. Uh, and so that's been an interesting turndown in a very different approach from Gazprom in January than we saw in all of 2019. And there's more supply coming as well, because when Nord Stream yeah. 2 comes online, the pipe, I mean, that, that will f- flood the market yet again. I mean, uh, there's a bit of additional gas. I mean, some of that is going to be stuff that they at the moment send through the Ukraine. So some of it will be diversions. Um, part of that's because of a difference between where Gazprom has new gas, which needs to flow, and all of its old maturing fields, which is the stuff which tends to go through the Ukraine. So there's a natural reason for that happening. But I mean, they have kind of indicated that they that maybe 25 BCM of gas that's going to go through Nord Stream 2 will come from flows through the Ukraine. So there is a big chunk of that going to go through. Having said that, there's still about 15 BCM, we think, of brand new gas that they'll want to monetize through uh, from Bovodankovo. So there is some new gas that can go as well into that market. So And how quite controversial is that the sanctions on, on US firms, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, on, on, on firms involved in, in the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from, from the US, how, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, it's been successful in postponing the, the, the completion of the pipe. We expected the pipe to be completed in January of this year. That, you know, that didn't happen because the pipe layers had to stop because they didn't want to be sanctioned by the U.S. And that's caused them some problems. And now they're kind of talking about, well, maybe, you know, the pipe will be delayed for the whole year. And it may be early 2021 before they'll get the pipeline vessels in place that are Russian and, <laughs> and can do that. Uh, and, and the above water tie being completed so there there's there's not that much of the pipeline to actually complete but getting that last little bit of it the last 150 kilometers of it built seems to be very very uh it seems like it will be a problem with those sanctions in place once the pipe's up and running there's not that much you can do about it exactly trevor fantastic thank you for a for a great overview of, of the gas market it's a very bearish picture i uh, look forward to inviting you again on the, on the montel podcast my pleasure richard thank you thank you uh, that's all from this special gas gas edition of the montel weekly podcast thank you again to trevor and remember to keep up to date with all our stories on montel news follow us on twitter and linkedin and subscribe on apple podcast and spotify thank you goodbye mm-hmm.